0: I'm so excited because today, Hilton Head Island Community Church's first baptism since the pandemic began, and we are going to celebrate today at 4 o'clock. I'm so excited about that. The Picture of Changed Lives, and I'm uh, really glad that you're here today. Thank you so much for joining us. Those of you who are here in the house, man, thank you so much for being here. I thank those of you who are back on the backstage patio. Beautiful, beautiful day to be on the backstage patio. And for those of you who are joining us online, thank you guys so much for joining online. Why don't we here in the house give it up for them who are joining (laughs) online and been backstage patio. Thank you guys so much for being a part of it. It's our last week, the last week in our series called Raised to Life, and we've been in this series, this will be our fifth week in this series, continuing through you know Easter, from Palm Sunday through Easter. We've been focusing on all that God did when he was raised to life, and the fact that we also, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can be raised to life as well. Many years ago, Cynthia and I had probably the first conversation of many. Um, that went something like this. We were discussing our faith and, uh, with someone who you know, doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, and uh, we were beginning to have this, this faith conversation. And if any of you have been involved in those faith conversations, they're not easy, right? They're not easy to get into. They're not easy for the person who's you know, kind of the, the one who has the faith and wants to talk about it. And there's, it's not easy for those who maybe don't understand it. And I remember several occasions, many actually different occasions, where we were having a conversation about faith with someone um, who was an unbeliever, or maybe they were kind of working through it. And the conversation would have gone something like this. They would have said something to the effect of, well, in your religion, or you're religious, or something like that. And I remember one particular conversation, I stopped and I just said, You know, here's the deal I'm just not very religious. And it was like, I mean, I was speaking a different language. They dropped their mouths, dropped their jaws, dropped like, What? You're a pastor? You're supposed to be religious. And you're saying you're not very religious. And it was interesting as we began just to kind of dissect what that meant. The whole idea of this word religion has so many different understandings and misconceptions. And so when I would say, you know, when I would get around to saying, look, I'm not very religious, um, there, there was a meaning behind that. There was a whole, like, belief system behind that. There was a whole life behind that and lifestyle behind that. But what they heard, what they heard was, is that I'm not a Christian. That's what they thought. That's what they heard. And so they probably went down the road of, how can you be a pastor, not a Christian? Or what they might have heard on several occasions is, is that, like, I don't really care about what God says, you know, I'm not very religious. And I realize that when we say something like, I'm not religious, or Christianity is not a religion, it might cause confusion, and so today, as we end this series, I want to begin today, as we end the series, in this place where, where I want to challenge a premise that some of you may understand, some of you may have a basic understanding of it, and some of you have mev- maybe have never heard this before, and I want to challenge the premise, this long-standing premise, that Christianity is a religion, and that Christians are quote-unquote religious people. I want to challenge that, and I realize that in challenging that, that there's, there are some of you who would say, yeah, I, I taught, I got this long ago, and I understand exactly what you mean. I understand the whole concept of what you're talking about. Um, and, and, and I realize that some of you are there, and you, you get this, right? Well, allow today to be a reminder, because some of you who get it, myself included, we don't always live like what I'm going to talk about today, okay? So some of you may be in the category of people who get it. Some of you may be in the category of people, we've heard this message before, we've even heard you touch on it before, and I get it, but I can't make it personal. That's for someone else. And then there are some of you that this is an absolutely brand new idea and you've never considered it. And my prayer for you is that God's Holy Spirit today would move in your life and that your life might change forever. Because here's the thing about Christianity. Here's the thing about following Jesus. And we don't say Christians as much as we say Christ followers here at Hilton Island Community Church. Because of is synonymous sometimes with religion, and being a Christ follower is synonymous with a heart that loves Jesus. I think that sometimes we don't have an understanding of of what being a Christ follower is really truly about. And so today I want to want to challenge this premise that christianity or you by being a, a a jesus person by being a christ follower are religious and while some of you may kind of gasp at that i think you'll understand where we're going by the end the the whole idea of religion and the whole word religion has been so misused right i mean i, I yeah, you know, we say it all the time man i'm religious about my my workout schedule by the way i'm not saying that some of you say that all right just to be clear So you say, I'm religious about like what I eat. Once again, I'm not saying that. You might be saying that. You might say that like I'm a religious follower of this particular sports team or I'm religious about my craft or my vocation. And we throw this word religion around so often that unfortunately it's kind of watered down the meaning. So let's press reset for a moment and maybe come to an understanding or common ground that religion is this, the belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power, especially personal God or gods. Now, here's how someone, I kind of took this and, and bullet pointed this for myself just to communicate to you. This is what most people think of when they think of religion or the word religious, okay? Most religions, theistic or otherwise, I want you to hear this, are man or human centered. They're centered on us. They're centered on us. Any relationship with God is then based on our works, our performance, our adherence to laws, which we'll get into in a moment. Theistic religions such as Judaism, Islam, and even Christianity hold to the belief in a supreme God or gods. Non theistic religions such as Buddhism and Hinduism focus on this metaphysical thought patterns and spiritual energies, quote unquote, right? So, um, but here's the thing most religions are similar in that they're built on the concept that we as humans can reach some kind of higher level or higher power or state of being. Through our own effort. It's all based on us. In most religions, I love one author. He says, man is the aggressor and the deity is the beneficiary of man's efforts, his sacrifices, or good deeds. Paradise, nirvana, or some other higher state of being is man's reward for his strict adherence, which I love that phrase, to whatever tenets that religion prescribes. And when I read that, there are three things that come to my mind, superficial and distant and far removed. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be doing this if God is distant and superficial and far removed. I don't want to be committed to being a Jesus follower if that's who God is. My definition of religion is this. Religion is the belief in a higher power and the promise of spiritual achievement through human effort. You see, here's what religion says. Religion says that we as humans, that man, we are the pursuer. The pursuer of God. That's what religion says, that we are the one pursuing God. God. And there's an aspect to Christianity, put in Christianity in contrast to religion, where we do pursue God, but I'm going to get to the motive on that in a minute. Religion says that man is the pursuer and that God is the beneficiary of our pursuit. Christianity says that God is the pursuer and that we are, that man is the beneficiary of that pursuit it's quite different it's just the opposite as a matter of fact right it's just the opposite and so when people ask me or they ask Cynthia maybe they ask you or they say something like you're a religious person and you might pause and go well I'm not that religious that's what we mean we may not quite be able to communicate it that way but that's what we mean and the word that I believe looking for today is that when it comes to following jesus christ it is deeply personal and it is based on a relationship and that's the contrast that religion is just that it's just religion but we when we become followers of jesus we form a relationship with the god of the universe and those are two totally different things My definition of Christianity is this. It's a little bit long, so get comfy. Christianity is the belief in the one true God that our sin separates us from God, that God initiated restoration to us through the death and resurrection of his son Jesus who accomplished everything. So he initiated and he accomplished everything needed for the forgiveness of sins and that any effort or movement on our part towards God should be a response to rather than a means of spiritual achievement. See, church, here's what I want to tell you today. If you're, if you're listening or you're following or you're watching or whether you're in the room or in the backstage, wherever you might be, I, I want you to hear today that religion religion hinges on our pursuit And our performance. Religion hinges on our pursuit of God and our performance of whatever it is that God says that we are to accomplish. And so I want to challenge this premise that Christianity is a religion. And that Christians are religious. Because if you truly understand following Jesus, you know it is deeply personal and it is a relationship. It is a relationship. See, following a system of rules for performance is a religion, but following Jesus is a relationship. It's a relationship. And today I want to point to Scripture to kind of give you two reasons that I think we can rightly challenge this idea of moving from religion to a relationship with Jesus. The first thing, I've already said it, is essentially is this idea of pursuit. Christianity is distinct in so many different ways, but it is distinct from religion in that God pursues us. And some of you may be sitting there or listening or kind of tuning in and going, I don't really see the difference. But the difference is massive. It's massive that he initiated with mankind, that he initiated with humanity, that he initiates with you. I mean, you can live your whole life in church and go through all the pomp and circumstances and ceremony and you can listen and you can take notes and you can be the the, the most religious follower of, of all the systems that Jesus completed. I'm going to talk about that at the end. And that man set up in addition to that. And not get that what God wants is a relationship with you. And that's what he pursued. I want you to think about that for a moment. Christianity is distinct from religion in that God pursues us. Let that settle for a moment. God pursues you god is striving after you he literally jesus literally turned the religious system on its head because by pursuing us by coming to us it changed everything the old way of living was by strict adherence to the laws in scripture and many many more that man created and we pursued god because it was our duty to obey him. That's the old way. There's an old song. I used to like sing it in church um, called Trust and Obey. And uh, man, that song is a great song. Some of you remember it? Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. All right? And I love it. I'm not going to sing it for you today. I promise you. <laughs> You'll leave early for lunch. <laughs> But I, but I even challenge the premise of that song. That it's trust, trust what God has already done, and anything that we do in obedience should be at, in, as a response to what He has already done. John says right out of the gates in his gospel that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that word dwelt for the original reader would have meant that he pitched his tent with mankind. Stop for a moment and think about that. That the God of the universe came to us. He pursued us. And Jesus told his followers that you're no longer slaves, but you're friends. You're friends. We read in First John 4, 19, we love, we love because, why? Because he, you can say it with me, because why? He first loved us. He's the one that initiated that relationship. I love that. That's not religion at all. That's a relationship. That's a relationship. We'll come back to the we love part, but it says because he first loved there's no love, then there's no relationship. And God decided that he would initiate, that he would be the one who would first reach out to us and live with us. The words of John, inspired by God's Holy Spirit in Revelation, chapter 3, verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Some of you who are my age and maybe a little bit older, do you remember like, growing up at home and someone would knock on the door or ring the doorbell? It was like celebration in the home, wasn't it? I mean, it was like everybody ran down to the living room or ran into wherever the you know, foyer is, and they, you open the door, hey, how you doing? Come on in. What's happening nowadays? We hide. We're like, it's another Amazon box. Come on. Towards my neighbor and he wants to borrow the shovel I'm hiding Jesus says I stand at the door and I knock he knocks listen he is the one doing the knocking he is the one doing the initiating he is the one who is pursuing I stand at the door and knock and if anyone he says here's my voice Anyone hears my voice and opens the door. I will come into him and eat with him and eat with me. His pursuit is active. It is ever. It is right now. It is forever. He is pursuing us. And you can respond to that pursuit. I grew up, and um, we did this back in the 1970s and 80s in particular, um, before many of the newer translations of the scripture were were published, and even before some of them were studied, and, and all the effort that's been put into that over the years, um, we grew up with the um, King James Version. That's what I grew up learning, and, and uh, studying, and that sort of thing when I was younger. And there's a lot of these, and, thous and things that we maybe not understand, and it's part of the reason why there are so many translations to help us understand it. But there's something interesting that happened about 300 years before the King James Version was printed. There's a lady by the name of Catherine of of Siena, and she was one of the early um, church, now what they call saints. We don't call them saints because we are all, if we were in Christ Jesus, we are all saints. But this was, this was a lady who committed herself to the Lord, similar to Mother Teresa, and she committed herself to the Lord. This is about the fourth century, and uh, they say that she would walk around you know, the, the monastery there in the corridors, and she would be talking to God constantly, which was really unusual. It was thought of as almost sacrilegious. And she would end her, her, her psalms reading as she talked to the Lord, and she would say what's called the glory bees. And some of you grew up in maybe a little bit of a different tradition. You understand what the glory bees are, and the glory bees are normally glory be the Father, glory be the Son, and glory be the Holy Spirit. But Catherine of Siena, she said it, glory be the Father, glory be thee, and glory be the Holy Spirit. And when in Latin she would say the word that in English is thee, back then in the original language, that was the more personal pronoun that was used for Jesus. It wasn't you. You was more formal. Switched nowadays, hasn't it? And she, in saying thee to Jesus, was communicating to him and communicating to those who would hear him that this was deeply personal. Personal. And that was wildly different in her environment in that day and age. Christianity is distinct because it is so incredibly personal. Because God pursues us secondly. Not only does God pursue us, but Christianity is distinct from religion in that God performed all of the work necessary or needed for salvation. He performed everything that was needed for salvation. Romans 6.23, the Apostle Paul. By the way, the pinnacle of our faith, the pinnacle of our doctrine, of our theology is found in Romans 5 through about 8. If you want to know what we believe as a church and what we believe as Christ followers, that is the pinnacle of it right there. And in Romans chapter 6, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, Paul says, For the wages of sin is death. That was our Our future. But he says, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He offered you, and he offers you, and he offers me, and he offers anyone who accepts a free gift. I love that. In 2004, Cynthia and I were in... um, uh, a little place called Malia, Spain, and it's on the African continent. It's actually part of Spain, but it's on the mainland of Morocco. And we were doing, uh, led a team, and we had teams going in different places. And in, in this part of the, the world, um, it was a Spanish province, so you would hear several different forms of Arabic, and you you would hear, um, uh, you'd hear a lot of French, but mainly you would hear Spanish because it was a Spanish province, right? And, and so we would stand on the street, and we were handing out Bibles because we were in kind of the, the free part of this little place in Morocco. And so um, we would, you know, in I guess our you know, best Spanish, uh, we would say un regalo gratis, a free gift, as we would hand out the Bibles. And we were trying to communicate Romans chapter 6 as we were handing out these free Bibles, that if you read this, you'll understand that God has for you a free gift. He's done everything. Jesus came to complete the law. He came to bring it to conclusion. The problem is, is that religion says that we must keep adhering to the law, and then we add to the law, and we make it more complicated. And if we don't achieve it perfectly... Then we have failed before God. Here's what Jesus did. In Romans chapter 8, again, the pinnacle of our theology, Romans 5 through 8, Romans 8, verses 1 through 4, Here's what Paul, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, says about following the rules and how Jesus came to bring completion to the law, that all all the things that were necessary for salvation and full spiritual achievement were performed by Jesus. It says this, "There There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free In Christ Jesus, from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh, because we can't possibly follow all those rules. Could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled by us. Is that what it says? I missed one word, didn't I? It's an important word, isn't it? It doesn't say by us. It says in us. It says in us. The law might be fulfilled in us. Meaning Jesus has already done it. And then it says, who walk not, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. You see, we can move from a place of religion to a place of relationship because God pursued us. But God performed everything that is needed for spiritual achievement. And I don't know about you. But I'm really, really, really glad that's the case. Because I never could. I never could. On my best days, I could never be able to perform well enough to have my sins forgiven. To have a relationship with God restored. God did all of it through Jesus. He did all of it through Jesus. And I love Romans 6 through 8, 5, 6, 7, and 8, because one of the things it talks about right there in Romans chapter 6 is, is that so should now, because we have all this freedom, go on sinning so that grace may increase. And Paul says, by no means, absolutely not. But we don't obey. We don't follow the rules. We don't do things for God because of law. We do it because of love. We do it from a place of relationship. And so I want to talk as we close about our response. Listen, if God pursues us and Jesus performed all the work necessary spiritually, what's left is love and relationship. That's what's left. Some of you have gone to church all of your lives and you've never heard that. And I understand that. Me too. I was there too never heard that there's nothing left except this beautiful thing of love and relationship. And so our response should be from a place of love and relationship, not rules and obedience. That changes everything. This thing is personal. It's personal. It's personal. It is personal. For some of you, this is answering the question, why in the world your friend who you know, goes to church here, or maybe somewhere else, and they just keep talking about this personal relationship with Jesus. How can that be personal? What, what does that mean? That's what it means. That's what it means. It means we serve not to show off. It means we serve not to obey. It means we serve that you would help them to realize that they can, like St. Catherine, just talk to you personally, wherever, intimately, wherever. God, that they every day, every moment can commune with you, that you opened up the doors of heaven for us to enter into a personal relationship. And For those who have never even thought about the fact that you died for them, I pray right now that today would be their day of salvation, that in this moment right now, as their heart may be beating and they're thinking about life beyond this life, that you would reach down right now. May your Holy Spirit touch them, touch their hearts. I pray for those who have never put their faith in you. If you've never put your faith in Jesus and something happened over these, next, over these past few moments and something happened while you are in this room or listening to the podcast or watching online, if something has happened and you're like, Todd, I, I've got to choose this, I've got to move past the old religious stuff because that way of living is holding me back and it's holding me down and it's making me feel more guilty than I've ever felt in my life, I need to pursue Jesus. And I never have. If you are in that place, I'm going to give you the opportunity right now to not follow a religion, but have a relationship with Jesus. And I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. And if if you mean that, if you want to become a Christ follower, right now I want to challenge you to pray this prayer along with me in the quietness of your heart. God, thank you for bringing me to this place. Thank you for sending your son to die for my sins. To be raised to life three days later so I can have eternity with you. Thank you that what you did is from a place of love and grace. Thank you that you pursued me. I admit that I'm a sinner and right now I put my trust and belief in you, Jesus. If you prayed that prayer along with me with every head bowed and every eye closed in this room, or whether you're watching online or in the backstage patio, I just want to challenge you to let us know about your relationship, this newfound faith. If you're here in this room, I'm just going to ask you with every head bowed and every eye closed just to raise your hand if you prayed that prayer along with me or something like it. I won't embarrass you, I promise you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. For those of you who are watching online or maybe in backstage, please tell someone. Let us know. Email us, direct message us. Please let us know about this decision. And I want to challenge you, if you've never been baptized, to follow in believer's baptism. Father God, I thank you for the work that you are doing. God, I thank you for the work you've done. Thank you for pursuing us. Thank you for performing for us spiritually. God, may we leave this place living our lives. In response to what you've done. We love you so much. We're so thankful for what you did. In Jesus' name, I pray and all God's people said, amen, amen.